This is a place. This is a place. This is a place. We want to talk about. This is a place. Thanks for listening to This is a Place podcast. My name is Brandon, and I'm joined by a man who is just not ready for Halloween to end. Nate. Not ready or don't like Halloween ends? Both. You don't like Halloween ends and you're not ready for the season to be done with. I'm not. It's been a very pleasant October, especially with it being like 80 degrees outside. 10580. Then boom, overnight snow. Like a 35 degree change. Got snow on the ground. I have no use for snow. I think we've talked about this before. I got no use for it. So I just got back a couple days ago from San Diego. That place I could get used to. Where it's like, what, 75 degrees year round? No snow. Except the the ocean's freezing. That's the only downside. Yeah, don't have the warm beaches. I'm ready to answer your daughter's question. So we'll, we'll back the bus up. You were kind enough to give me a ride to the airport. My wife was supposed to go to me. I had my work conference in San Diego last week. My wife was supposed to go with me. And she wasn't able to go. But I wasn't thinking like, oh, crap, how am I going to get to the airport then? Um, seems dumb to go pay for parking when it's just me. So, Brandon, called you up and you said, yeah, I'll give you a ride. You brought your kids with us. And I was at the ticket counter, like getting my <laughs> ticket printed out and you called and it freaked me out originally. Cause I was like, I Oh leave? crap. I forgot something. <laughs> right. That's what right. I thought. I forgot Sorry. something. You're just like, Oh, Oh, my daughter wants to know what you're going to be for Halloween. And I didn't have an answer for her because I haven't really put much thought into it. Cause you know, fat Jesus has been my go-to costume for the last two years and I don't have my hair long enough to do it. But I figured it out. I'm going to wear a hot dog suit. I have a hot dog costume, you know, with a Michael Myers mask. I'm going to be Oscar Myers. <laughs> I like it. You like it? Are so, you going to wear this to the BYU game? Do I have to go to the BYU game? <laughs> that's a whole nother, That's a whole nother conversation. I don't really want to get into Last year, the BYU game was on October 30th, but since we're in Utah, everybody went trick-or-treating that night. So it really was Halloween when I went to the BYU game, dressed up as Jesus. Um, That was fun. But I don't know. Do you think people are going to dress up when it's a Friday night game, like three days before Halloween? I saw people dressed up at the Liberty game for Halloween. Okay. I guess it's an excuse to dress up. You don't have to. You know what we should do? (laughs) We're... I should get um, myself, my brother-in-law, and whoever I take in here, his, my nephews, to put brown bags on our heads. For the shame. For the shame. Isn't that what like the Cleveland Brown fans were doing for a while yeah. back in the day? It does feel like we're at that point in the season. Like I don't want to. I don't want. I'm a closet BYU fan. I want people to know I'm a BYU fan because I'm embarrassed. Yeah. And get this. You would ask, so I've got, I have a BYU tie, 
I have a Denver Bronco tie and I have a jazz tie and I have a few other sports teams too, but those are my three ties. I like to rotate through depending on who's playing well and who I'm proud of at the moment. If you would ask me a month ago, even when's the next time I'm going to wear my Utah jazz tie, I would have said, I don't know. It's going to be the last place is what you thought. It's going to be years, but I wore my Utah jazz tie yesterday. Why? Because they're three and oh, and maybe four and oh, by the time this podcast comes out or this episode, but BYU, no bueno. Broncos, no bueno. And I thought those two teams, I had so much hope, so much expectations going into the season, and they've let me down. And then the Jazz, I had zero expectations, thinking they're going to tank, and here they are kicking butt. And I'm like, but maybe it's going to be short-lived because good things just don't happen to me, Brandon. It just, just don't. <laughs> they don't happen to us. Yeah, they don't happen to us. So, but to answer your daughter's question, yes. Oscar Myers. I'll let her know. She'll know exactly what you're talking about. Referring to. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. Did she already say what she's going to be for Halloween? I forgot. Yeah, we're doing Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. So she is Sally. The baby is Jack Skellington. All right. My wife is Oogie Boogie. And I am kind of TBD. Likely going to be the mayor. Okay. Well, I need to come visit. It's funny. I love Halloween, but dressing up is my least favorite part of Halloween. So it's hard for me to to pick something or want to dress up. Yeah. It's it's really warped. Yeah, it's true. I like the experiences of Halloween, like going to haunted houses and parties and all that stuff. But yeah, the, the dressing up, never been... That's why, like, when I had the long hair, it just always defaulted to Jesus because it was a simple thing to do. Right. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. But Bronco's a huge Nightmare Before Christmas fan, so we'll have to come check out your costumes. Unless you guys plan on coming to the Trunk or Treat. We will not be at the Trunk or Treat, but maybe we have to come Trunk or Treat at your house. I don't know maybe. if you're going to be around. Well, Bronco <laughs> has let me know that he's too old for halloween so he plans on just handing out candy this year so i really only have one kid left to go trick-or-treating but she's even on like the the fence about it as well mm. but i think she's gonna take advantage of it but this brings up one more question another no, one more question it brings up a question if you're too old to go trick-or-treating like your teenage years right so bronco's too old rocky's too old do they and going back to costumes do they need to dress up for Halloween? Did they have to put a lot of effort into it? Like they both wanted to get Halloween costumes and that we would have had to spend a decent amount of money on them. But I'm like, where would you wear them and when? Cause you can't wear costumes outside of elementary school to, to school, right? They don't allow it in junior high and high school. So when would you wear it? Well, let me continue with this point for a minute. Number one, I'm going to say they should still wear them because or at least get the costume because there's many times when I was growing up that I said I was too old for Halloween and trick-or-treating, but I ended up wanting to go trick-or-treating anyway. Right. So I think it's worth it just for the contingency plan. And then you've got another costume for whatever. Well, that's the thing. We've got enough costumes for the years, especially, you know, me and the clearance stuff. I've purchased costumes. So as far as like putting a costume on, if they want to go trick-or-treating, they can, but like they want these specific like characters um expensive characters yeah to to do so it's like 
12 okay why are we and rocky for example the one he wants you need a mask and i'm like well most things you go to they won't wear you wear wear a mask so um anyways but then i also feel bad because they want those costumes i'm like do i just give in and get them knowing that they probably won't even get a chance to really use them we'll be right back you love listening to podcasts but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast maybe you want to build a brand grow your business or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby whatever your reason for making a podcast buzzsprout is the place to start since 2009 buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Yeah. Well, my, my other point with this is probably the number one reason why you should let them still have costumes and keep up that tradition is because you need to thwart off the evil Halloween entities that exist. Because dressing up in animal furs and costumes is the way to do that. Yeah, not maybe not to scare them off, but to blend in so they don't get you. Right. And that goes along perfectly with our topic for the day. Because that is a big part of what the movie is that we are discussing for this episode. That's right. So we're we're lucky enough, the man behind a movie made here in Utah called Curse of Crom, The Legend of Halloween. Let's take a listen. So we have uh, Rob York here with us today, who is the director, producer, editor, what else are you, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> like, like half the things. Um, yeah, I, I would say mostly I would say I'm the co-writer and director. Right on. Of, of the movie, of course, what you're talking about is The Curse of Crom, The Legend of Halloween. Is that yeah, correct? That is correct. Well, before we dive into the movie, do you want to give us a quick bio of who you are, like where you grew up and basically what you've been doing your whole life? Yeah, so basically, um, when I was a I was a little kid, we moved around a lot. Eventually, settled in Utah, and so I spent my middle grade through high school years uh, in Alpine, and then in uh, the Utah County area. Uh, ever since then, I love Utah. It's a great place to live and work. So, is making movies your your day job, hobby, a little bit of both? Um. So right now it's, it's my, uh, it's my work, which is kind of cool. Um, I grew up making, you know, little camcorder movies and stuff. And, and that kind of sparked my interest. Um, and then I actually studied advertising when I was at BYU, but I always just kind of did film related things for fun and then just never ended up getting a job in advertising. Um, so I do a lot of, uh, video editing of TV shows and things like that. Um, but I also like to write and this is kind of my effort to lean more into writing and directing because that's kind of the, the more fun direction I want to go in. Are there any cool projects that you've worked on that we might recognize outside of this movie? Let's see. Cool projects that I've worked on inside of this movie. 
They don't have to be cool. Just they don't have to be cool. Too. Any projects we might recognize. I, should... <laughs> I mean, cool I've, I've done with with video editing freelance. You get to work on like a lot of different cool projects. They're just like, but you know, you you only get like little minute part in them. So, you know, I've I've been part of several really cool Netflix movies and that sort of thing. But like, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't recognize the part that I did because it's so small. Because there's you know, it's an it's a collaborative effort, and there's an army of people who are all way more important than I am. <laughs> so, but mostly, I mean, I've got to work with cool people who've done really cool things. So that's always fun. So tell us what the, the movie's about. Curse of Crom, The Legend of Halloween, is about a group of teenagers who accidentally unleash an ancient Irish entity on their hometown. And they have to figure out how to stop it before midnight on Halloween. Um, it's a, kind of an 80s throwback film in the sense that it's it's meant for it's kind of meant for kids, but it's also meant to be actually scary, kind of a classic eighties feel to it. All practical effects, you know, slime, real monsters that we actually had there and filmed puppets, that sort of thing. Just kind of a fun popcorn flick that, you know, really has that Halloween feel. And this movie is your first that you've directed. Crom is actually my, my second feature that I've directed. My first was called Magellan and it's kind of a, a sci-fi like hard sci-fi space exploration film. Um, you can watch now. It's on uh, Prime and Tubi and several other places. And that one was, I kind of counted that one as like my film school because it was really, really low budget, probably the lowest budget sci-fi film ever made. And this is my, my sec. well, this is my third film that I've directed uh, as a feature, um, but the second one that's completed, the, the other one's still in post-production. Oh, so we have more to look forward to then. Hopefully. We'll see we'll, we'll see when it gets done. So with this movie, getting into Curse of Krom, what was the inspiration? What what led you to make this one? Oh man, I so my earliest memory of all was of Halloween. And I must have been like two or something, but I remember being in an apartment and somebody knocking on the door. And my parents opened it and there was a kid dressed as a robot, like, you know, classic cardboard square robot painted silver. And that, that's like literally my earliest memory. And I've just loved Halloween ever since. And I wanted to make a movie about Halloween, um, not just taking place on a Halloween, but actually about the legends and the traditions that kind of all revolve around Halloween as we celebrate it today. Um, and that, so that's kind of what sparked the, the idea. And then it was just a matter of, you know, looking at all the different traditions like trick-or-treating, wearing costumes, carving pumpkins, and kind of trying to bring them all together into one coherent story. So is the Curse of Crom like a, a true legend or is it a, a short story by somebody or how did, how's the story come to be? It's not a real legend, but all the, uh, the individual parts of the film are real like Krom Krok is an old Irish deity pre-Christian era pagan kind of god thing um and so that you know that's that's real that really happened um you know the, the idea of uh, wearing costumes from ancient Celtic people wearing these animal skins so the spirits wouldn't torment them like that's kind of a real thing so just taking all those those real elements and then bringing them together into a story you mentioned that you were trying to make like a you said you wanted to make like an 80s Halloween scary movie mm. so was that like because i kind of got that vibe that it was the movies set well 
kind of an 80s feel but is it supposed to be 80s feel but yet in today's time yeah it was just the way that we filmed it the style we filmed it in um and then like the use of practical effects like there's no digital effects in the entire movie it's all it's all practical um other than digital compositing because that just makes things easier since we're not working with film um but we actually you know filmed uh optical illusions uh, in water tanks for the ghosts and things like that so it's all it's all practical um very i don't know raiders of the lost art kind of visual effects to it so it's just it just makes it fun for me really visceral and you know slimy and fun yeah that's what i kind of enjoyed about it was the kind of the old school filming process like you said but it was kind of fun that it was set in today's time with the cell phones and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and the other thing was also like, I guess making a film that was kind of for kids, but not like dumbed down for kids. Like a lot of modern movies are like, um, you know, when I, when I was a kid, you know, kids movies were like gremlins and, you know, never ending story and all these films that were like kind of traumatizing as a child, even though they're meant for kids. (laughs) Good point. point. And, and so I wanted to, I wanted to capture that feeling because that was just, that's what made him fun, right? Like it was, I was actually going to get scared. Like, oh man, Poltergeist looks so scary. I, you know, do I dare watch it? Mom, you better leave out food for this creature. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's the whole thing. Like I, I feel like a lot of kids movies nowadays, it's like, they're so sanitized that there's no actual like danger to them. Like in Goonies, you know, those kids could get killed. <laughs> like, like it's, it's pretty intense. And nowadays, like, you know, there's very few kids movies that are made that way. They're all like, they're very safe and they're, you know, there's not a whole lot of um, real danger to them. But I do uh, think it's fun in the movie how the teenagers kind of, they get excited when they finally get a visit from Krom, right? Even though it's (laughs) (laughs) like, I believe now too, like, I'm excited. They get into it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I think it's just like, it's just teenagers nerding out about things the way that yeah. teenagers do <laughs> which which seems realistic right that's probably what a teenager would do nowadays uh compared to back in the 80s um but just a different time i think nate and i both got excited about when we heard about this movie since it was filmed in utah where all was it filmed i saw something about mostly being filmed in american fork but were there other places you did filming uh so i would say like 90 percent of it 95% was in American Fork. Um, when we wrote the script, you know, the idea was that our budget was going to be really limited. So one of the ways you cut down on expenses is you try to film, you know, in, as much as you can in one location. But I didn't want it to be a one location movie. So, you know, we, I, I wrote the script around a bunch of places that I, I knew I was able to get access to um, that were really centrally located. So even though we have quite a few different locations in the film, they're all within five minutes of each other out in American Fork. So, yeah, that's what made it kind of fun for for us being from Utah, seeing like, oh, there's American Fork or that spot in American Fork uh, or the mountains. And looks like you even used the high school a little bit. Yeah, we uh, uh, we got permission to use the high school. The field that they end up in the end of the movie was a, a horse pasture behind where I live. We filmed uh, all over this neighborhood and it was just kind of fun because the community kind of got excited about it and everybody was willing to help out and stuff. Um, there was, there was no, nobody that we were, even though we were filming, you know, all night long, 
with fog blowing everywhere and stuff. We didn't have any incidents. So it was great. <laughs> That's good. How long did it take you guys to, to shoot the film? So our primary shoot was 11 days. And then we had one pickup day, like one full pickup day. And then a couple of smaller pickup days as well. So overall, probably about 14 days worth of shooting time, which is a ridiculously fast turnover for a film. Like it's, it's hard to do a movie that quick, but it's just kind of a budgetary constraint we had. When did you do the filming? Uh, we filmed it last October. The last week of October, took Halloween off, and then filmed it again the first week of November. Um, and that was mostly because, we, you know, for, for this kind of a film, atmosphere is everything. And uh, we really wanted to capture that classic, you know, Americana Halloween kind of feel to it. Yeah, I think that really came across. It felt it wasn't you weren't thinking this was filmed in a different season. Like it felt like it was actually the time period when it was taking place. Which yeah, it was cool. Yeah, no, no Hallmark. Try to pass off December. Yeah. <laughs> Fake snow. That. There's leaves everywhere helps with the production value. <laughs> My office is downtown on Main Street, and I think it was about a year ago, they were filming some Christmas movie, like in the middle of July, where actors have just got to be sweating, you know, <laughs> hot as can be, but they have, like you said, a fake snow and all that stuff, um, trying to pull off that it's middle of the winter. That's got to be miserable from an actor standpoint, or even the crew, yeah. right, to yep. to be cooking out there. A, if you have a big budget, you know, you can pull it off sometimes, but, you know, for a for a you know more indie film it's it's definitely good to, to have those you know leaves and pumpkins and everything right there already so like what's the main goal like when you make a movie like this like like do you make this knowing it's going to go to prime video or peacock or how does that process work to find out or do you somebody have to buy it once your film is completed or um so it it depends i mean i think every movie is a little different. Um, you know, some people just do it because they want to tell a story. I mean, other people are, you know, doing it because they're, they're hoping to make a lucrative business out of it. Um, you know, for this, it's, you know, I think for, for curse the crumb, my goal was, I just had this fun story that I wanted to tell. Um, and then, you know, also keeping in mind that, you know, it's got to pay for itself. <laughs> because <laughs> filmmaking is not cheap you have investors that you have to you know make sure you get paid back um so how the whole process works though is uh, and again this i think this varies by every film but in the case of crom it was you know we had the script uh, i pitched it to a production company who funded ended up funding the film and then uh once it was completed we shopped it around to several different distributors and um found the found the match that we thought gave us the, uh, the best deal and we thought would be good for the film. And then the distributor from there takes it over and aggregates it onto whatever, whatever platform or, you know, theatrical or whatever ends up being the, uh, the distribution model for it. Um, in our case, it went straight to streaming uh, on prime and voodoo and peacock and, and some of those streamers, um, you know, but with the idea being that it's a Halloween movie, we want to get it out in time for Halloween um and then you know hopefully hopefully uh everybody's able to find it <laughs> yeah it's just a different i mean it's different now than it was you know probably 10 20 years ago right with all these streaming platforms oh, yeah. like, compared like 10, 
20 years ago, like, you know, the thing was you make a movie and you put it out on DVD because that's, you know, you could get into Redbox and put it on DVD and you make your money back. Um, and oh, a lot of foreign, a lot of foreign deals um, for foreign distribution. Um, nowadays, it's a lot harder because the, you know, physical media is gone, but there's a lot of other streaming platforms that are out now. And that's, so that's kind of the, the standard is either you go theatrical or you can go through like, you know, the, uh, the, the festival circuit and then try to get a, distribu a distributor that way. The way we had it set up for, for Crom though, is when we, um, when we got the funding for it from our uh, production company, uh, they already had some distributors they had relationships with. So it was, it was kind of an easy process to, to talk to them and, and uh, get a, a deal going there. And then my other question is casting how, like, since we're in Utah and we're not like in Hollywood or New York where they have a lot of open casting auditions, how do you, how do you find actors for a film like this? The, the actress who played Mary, um, Chelsea Yurkovitz, I had worked with her on a previous film and she was fantastic. And I just, I kind of wrote her in as the lead just because I was like, I, I think I, I want to cast her again. And then Tanner Gilman, who plays Harvey, I met him when I was working on Studio C. He's just a fantastic actor all around. Like I, I was like, dude, I, I want to cast this guy in something. And um, so I just, so for, in the case of this movie, it was literally just um, talking to people that I knew already and just saying, hey, I've got this project. Would you be interested in doing a read for it? And then they send me their audition tape and I'd look at it and be like, yep, you're cast. There you um, go. Colin, Colin Cunningham was, uh, I actually met him at a film festival uh, like a year and a half ago and uh he had my my previous film Magellan had played there and he watched it and was like uh expressed interest in working with me at some point and so I took advantage of that and called him up I was like I need someone to play the dad and he was he was super gracious and and totally willing to do it um even though it's not a it's not a huge role but he was he was super down with it fantastic actor to work with he was in Falling Skies for six seasons. He was in Stargate SG-1. Uh, just been in a lot of kind of fun genre uh, TV shows. The only actor that I didn't have a, a name for that I wanted to approach was uh, the actor who played Steve. Um, I, I didn't, I had no idea who I wanted to cast for Steve. So we just sent an open casting call. There's different Facebook groups for like casting in Utah. And so I just put an open casting call there. And we got all sorts of like all sorts of responses to it from lots of different actors. Um, and we, yeah, it was, it was actually kind of a hard decision because there was like a lot of different actors who brought a lot of different takes on the character of Steve. And uh, eventually we just settled on, <clears throat> on a uh, Halem because we just liked the kind of the pleasant goofiness he brought to it just made, made, made the character kind of fun to watch. So that's how we ended up with, uh, with, Halen Medina as Steve. Both Brandon, myself, and my wife think he could play uh, Dwayne Johnson's son in a film or something like that. He, <laughs> he well, it's a lot like that's, the you're Rock. Not, you're not too far off. He has he has actually um, been a stand-in for Dwayne Johnson on a couple of films. Uh, he was a stand-in in Hobbs and Shaw and uh, Jumanji and a couple other movies. Oh wow. Uh, so, yeah, and I mean, that's it's one of like, you know, 56 stand ins and stunt doubles that The Rock has. But yeah, he has done it. <laughs> he fits the part. So works. 
I'm curious. I don't want to give any spoilers for the movie because I think people should go watch it and enjoy it without prior, a lot of prior knowledge. But I'm curious how you guys went about creating the the monster for the movie. Um, so I approached a buddy of mine named Chris Hansen. Uh, he does just kind of cool, just cool visual effects for. He's done. He's worked on a lot of films and stuff, um, like X Files and uh, Danny Dar- Darko or no, which one was it? I don't know. Hellboy, different movies like that. He's been a he's been an artist on those. Um, he's local to Utah now. Anyway, I just approached him and I was like, "Hey, we got a monster movie. Would you be interested? Do you have time?" And he uh, he happened to be right between projects and like it was it was actually kind of cool because um when we got the green light for the film we basically had three weeks before we had to start filming if we were going to actually hit october um so we had three weeks pre-production time which is insane like don't ever make a movie and start filming a movie three weeks after you get the green light on it but he just happened to be available those weeks and so he just kind of he read the script and then um kind of went off on his own own direction on it um because originally in the script we kind of imagined the ghost being a lot more or the monster being a lot more um, ethereal and like um, kind of think of like a Dementor type thing, like from Harry Potter, like just more like ghostly. But he was like, no, we got to make it like a big physical monster and give it like a big, you know, muscular, gross jaw and lots of teeth hanging out. And I was like, okay, let's go for it. It was, I, I feel like it's a good example of, you know, the awesome results you get from collaboration um, cause you have your idea, but then somebody else has their idea and you're able to come together and just come with, come up with something that's really cool. Um, so the, the whole thing was made out of, like we had, we had a full size, like animatronic, um, costume one. Uh, we had some cable rod controlled puppets, which were cool. And some miniatures as well that we used for VFX sequences. Lots of, we used lots of slime as well. Had to get them good and slimy because that's half the fun. So you mentioned you're working on another project right now. Is there anything you can tell us about about this other project, or at least when you anticipate it to be released? Oh, I'm yeah. So the other film, uh, tentatively called Tiger Tiger, um, I, I think the name might end up changing, um, but uh, it's kind of a another '80s throwback monster movie. It's more of an action movie. Hopefully, it'll be out within the next six months. I'm hoping. Um, We'll see. We'll see. And I, I'm not uh, as in charge of that one was uh, produced by another company. And so I, I, I wrote and directed the film, but I haven't really been involved in the post process. So I'm just kind of waiting to hear back from them to see when that'll be closer to completion. So nice. Um, Was that also filmed here in Utah? We actually filmed that one up in uh, it was during lockdown (laughs) and when there was like no productions going on at all. Um, we filmed it up in American Fort Canyon area. And then uh, the rest of it, we filmed at Art Dye Park in American Fork, which is like a Frisbee golf course. But it's like, it's like a nicely forested area. And so the idea, a hiker camper who uh, stumbles upon a, a group of hunters who've been attacked by some sort of creature. It was all supposed to be in the mountains, but this park, you know, was a perfect stand-in for the woods so we filmed most of it there and it was yeah it'll be fun it's a fun little flick you have to keep us updated on it let us know we'd love to talk with you about it yeah for sure oh i think it was great i mean we obviously don't want to dive in and tell the whole story of the movie arts we're ruining it for everybody 
but it's 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 a fun watch it's definitely kind of it's family friendly it might like you said scare young kids but um overall it's just a fun movie something that you would probably i told brand it's like something like if you're just watching the disney channel and a movie comes on it's something that similar to that just a fun fun film i did have one last question i thought of i know that directors often throw in you know, things to look for, things they hide in the movie. Is there anything like that that you can give us the inside scoop on? <laughs> Easter egg? Easter um, eggs, that's the word I'm looking for. Thanks, Nate. Yeah, Easter eggs. Uh, yeah, there's there's quite a few Easter eggs. I'm trying to think of some that would be fun to talk about because there's a lot of, like, personal Easter eggs with, like, my family and stuff because, like, my kids are in the movie, like, stuff like that where I just, you know, had to get them in there somehow. I also write, I'm a spooky kids book author. I have a series called Frightland kind of a middle grade goosebump sort of a series. And uh, a couple of times in the movie, uh, our actress is, has either the book on the shelf or she's like reading it. Um, what else? Uh, she's wearing a, a shirt that says Magellan on it, which is the first movie that I made. Uh, just little things like that. And I think the, according to a website here, some crazy credits. It says no dead cats were reanimated during the filming of this motion picture. <laughs> That's true. None were. I stand by that statement. And then it says during the end credits, it says Krom is listed as played by himself. <laughs> <laughs> funny. Well, I mean, he, he was. He was. <laughs> so you got you got the actual demon to come it's play a, in the it's movie. A, it's a documentary. It's a true it's a documentary. <laughs> this just got really scary. That's fun. I like stuff like that. Well, Rob, we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us about your movie. I think I can speak for Nate and myself. We both love Halloween. We know there's a lot of Halloween movies filmed in Utah, and it is great to add another one to the list. And I think this one really does does justice to Utah Halloween movie, I guess I could say. Well, appreciate it. Appreciate it so much. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time and uh, talking with me. It's been fun. Here's a plug for you, too. If you have to choose between watching Halloween Ends or this one, this one for sure. Halloween Ends is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm excited for people to check it out. Uh, it's available on Vudu and uh, Amazon Prime and Peacock TV as well. And Tubi. As- I watched it on Tubi. Oh yeah, Tubi with ads, free with ads. That's always that's always great because we always we can always use more subscription services um but it's good to good to have one you don't have to sign up for (laughs) yeah and i was thinking this is giving them some ad revenue maybe not a ton but you know it's something (laughs) (laughs) yeah tubi actually does pretty good for independent films so it's, it's not a bad platform to be on okay well we look forward to hopefully talking with you again about more projects you do we'll watch out for those but uh yeah thanks for making some more Some more good things for us to watch, Rob. Appreciate it. No, no problem. Thanks so much for watching. And we'll just forward all our ideas on to you since we are in no position (laughs) to make a movie right now, but we have lots of ideas. I'll look forward to the email. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. It's always fun to hear the behind the scenes, the making of a movie from actors or the people that make the movie because it's just such an abstract idea to me, you know? Right. And how much like work goes into to getting the film done? No, I think it. I think it was a fun movie. 
What I really appreciated about it is it has a very Halloween vibe. It's pretty true to, I mean, it's like a Utah Halloween. I don't know if in the movie, I didn't ask this, but it doesn't seem like it's supposed to take place in Utah. But knowing it was filmed in October in Utah, I kind of liked that. <laughs> Good question. I don't know if they ever mention like where they are or like what they did. They say the name of the town. They make comments about Lakeside, but they never come out and say like where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like you said, overall, it's overall it's a fun movie. Um, it's like you know, Rob mentioned it's it's not going to win any Oscars or film festivals, but um, it's it's a kind of a quick movie too. I mean, that's what I joy about movies lately that are only 90 minutes long yeah um and i and i do there was probably two or three two moments that made me laugh out loud which is always a bonus if a movie can make me laugh yeah i laughed quite a bit i thought that and i think i think everyone in the movie did a good job but the comedic elements of having the the studio c guy his name tanner and then the guy who played steve i thought they both had pretty funny moments in the movie yeah I like the Tanner character was always eating something. And my favorite part was at a very tense moment. The most important thing to him in that moment was getting his food. Right. <laughs> that was my favorite, my favorite part of the movie. My comedic moment. Right. And I guess we're ruining a little bit. So the movie, but when he's like showing the map on the girl's hand, I don't want that cracked me up too. Yeah. That's pretty funny. <laughs> There was a lot. He he did a good job. Yeah, he did. Where did you watch it, Nate? Um, I have Peacock. So, like I said, you'll get on Peacock and it'll ask you to watch Halloween Ends. Just skip over Halloween Ends and go straight to to this one. Yeah. It's a fun Halloween movie. Something I think you could watch with your family. There's... I think I only heard two swear words in the whole movie. Other than that, it's maybe questionable because it could be scary for kids, younger kids. And it's great to support the local film industry, too, and the work that they put into this. It's been a fun Halloween season. We've had a lot of Halloween episodes, as we always tend to do. And we maybe, just maybe, have one more up our sleeve. Yeah, and it's going to be a good one. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. If it Brandon, happens. If it happens. Because okay, Brandon's I mean, too too embarrassed to to let people know that he got scared. So keep an eye on the your, your podcast app, wherever you listen to us, because you might get one last Halloween surprise from us. I was going to say, it might just show up unexpected. <laughs> Thanks for listening to This Is A Place podcast. See you next week. Or sooner. The ancient Celts believed the time at the end of the harvest and the beginning of winter was when the wall between life and death was thinnest. They called it Samhain. What are you doing here? You ordered Chinese? You should be nice to him, seriously. He's had a hard life. Okay. I just wanted a tip, but... Not this bad. (laughs) Mary, you're telling us a ghost story like a week before Halloween. What do you want us to think?
My parents are out of town for the next couple of days still, so I'm here alone. It says a haunting is an emotion that keeps repeating itself. This is just ridiculous. What happened to us is ridiculous. He was lying on the floor, like right there when I saw him. He's dead. There's some kind of ancient death god on the loose. It could be any one of us next. We have to direct it to a tomb by Halloween night. And if we mess up, then every one is screwed. We're gonna die, you, you can't, you, you have to leave it! What you doing? I'm making a costume. For work? Sure. What are we doing? What? <laughs> Sorry. I just got chills. He's here. Who's here? <laughs> <laughs>